0: Hi, I'm Rochella in North Carolina.
1: I'm Nate in Colorado. And I'm James in London. And we are Friends in Formation, a podcast where three very different friends take your questions about life and faith. And the goal is to listen, learn and help each other go further into God. Friends Information is a podcast produced by Renovare, a Christian renewal effort that offers resources and experience to help people become more like Jesus. And we'd love you to join the conversation. So, please email us your questions to friends at renovare.com That's friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org. And if we pick yours, we will send you a marvellous coffee mug just to invite you into the discussion. So, here we go, and we look forward to the questions today. And who has the first of these? I do, I do. (laughs) Great. (laughs) I have
0: a question for us. It's a great question. Ray says... In December's podcast, James mentioned six different streams of Christian tradition. Could you please Mm -hmm. talk more about those, both as they relate to the church and to an individual Christ follower? That's a good question, isn't it?
1: It's a good question, and we just want to make sure people know what the streams are, because it's not always easy. It's such a core part of what we stand for that let me just go over the six streams. The first is the contemplative stream or the prayer-filled life. And we want to start there. We want to start with communion with God, interaction with Him. The second stream is the virtuous life, and that's about who we are on the inside. The third is the charismatic or the spirit-empowered life. And that is not just about the spiritual gifts, but just about a life in the spirit. And then after that comes the social justice stream, or the compassionate life. That then pushes into the evangelical stream, or the word-centered life. And the final stream is the sacramental life the incarnational stream, and that's really just about applying our faith and taking Jesus into every aspect of our life. How's that for a recap?
0: That is a good recap, Jane. And what you had talked about in December was the fact that these build on one another. There's an order to them. It isn't just willy-nilly. There's actually an order, and I think we could see it even more as you went through them. Just then. But it's really interesting how we can tend to get these out of order or to assume that the Christian life is just about one of the things. And I think a large part of the point that Renavari has been making these many years is that the Christian life is not all just one thing. The Christian life, as exemplified, by the life of Jesus, is composed of all of these different traditions that work together. We call them traditions because that's kind of how they've developed over the life of the church, but we're just talking about aspects of the life. And it's interesting to me that The contemplative one is one that's gotten a lot of pushback, especially in the States. When we started using that word, particularly when Richard Foster and Dallas Willard started using the word contemplative many years ago, they got lots of pushback as if there were something about that word that was in itself taboo, that there was something about that that's wrong. But of course to contemplate something to meditate to learn about to look for close connection well of course that's what we want with Jesus right <laughs> and there are some christian traditions that have been particularly good at that but what you're saying is that all these streams can be present in the life of each individual believer and all these streams are present in the life of the church universal, and in some cases stronger than others. Do I have that right?
2: I think so. What I like with it is, you know, thinking of it as as holistic, each one born out of the life of Jesus, and you see it. You know, different denominations, one or two have really done well with these. And you alluded to this. There's, there's challenges and baggage with the number of these and, and mm-hmm. the excesses or the abuses, you know, are there, but they're great gifts. And for us to learn to experiment, experience, live into each one, gives us a holistic picture of life with God.
1: And they are called. Streams of living water because they give us a life. The idea is, it comes from Psalm 1, which opens, you know, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set forth on the paths of sinners or sit in the seat of the ungodly, but his delight is the law of the Lord and on his law, he concentrates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of living water that brings forth its fruit in season. And what I think's most helpful there, this is, you know, streams, this is empowerment, this is life. This isn't drudgery, this isn't you know, just, you know, churning things out. It is supposed to be a life. It's all of them because the streams express Jesus. They express the wholeness of Jesus. He was a contemplative. He was holy. He was spirit-empowered. He was, in one sense, evangelical, Jesus is good news. It's just so helpful to understand it in that way. We don't have to choose out of them. We can have all of them.
0: Yeah, right. This is the thing that I love, that they're all exemplified by Jesus. And just to take that last thing you said, James, that Jesus was good news, but your your little definition of the evangelical stream was the word-centered life?
1: Centered life.
0: Well... Yeah. And so it's helpful to me to remember how Jesus' mind was just shot through with with scripture, the way Jesus quotes the Psalms. No doubt, or maybe not no doubt, but I wouldn't be surprised if the first Psalm was on Jesus' mind when he spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well and told her, that, that if she drank of the water he offered, she would never mm. thirst again, but there would be springs of living water welling up within her. Of course, that's from the spirit, but Jesus knew that first Psalm that you quoted. Jesus answered the devil when he was tempted in the wilderness. How? By quoting scripture. So Jesus lived a word centered life. Jesus lived a quiet life of prayer. Jesus lived a life of care for the poor. All of these things are exemplified in the life of Jesus. So, one of the things that matters to me particularly is not just how we see these in the individual Christian's life but how we see that in the life of the church. I'm going to tell y'all, I don't know if I've ever shared this with the two of y'all before, but it was this idea, this idea of the streams of Christian tradition that first really drew me to Renovare. So mm-hmm. I had read Richard Foster's work and I had read Dallas Willard's work and some other things, but this idea of the six streams working in tandem, learning from one another, offering fellowship to one another, not preferring one over the other, but learning from all six. That's the thing that made me say about Renovare, the organization, I'm talking now about the organization, made me say, wait a minute, can I help? Is there something I can do? Because it was so light-filled for me, the idea of Christians from all different backgrounds working together and learning from one another. And what I had discovered was that it wasn't just an ecumenical thing for the sake of ecumenism. It was actually for the sake of the church, for the sake of building the body of believers worldwide, and for the sake of each individual person within and it has been revolutionary to me. Now maybe not everybody had a, had an upbringing as um, shall we say selective as mine. know was I was part of a church that tended to think we were going to be the only ones saved <laughs> but I came desperate to learn from other Christians and I've been so grateful. Because there was a lot that I knew pretty well, but so much I had never been exposed to. And I've learned I've learned from the two of you. I've learned from other, our other friends at Renovari, I've learned from the, the teachers and the authors and the speakers. And I've just learned from the individual people who represent their particular stream of Christian tradition so well. It just Brings up a well of gratitude. So there's another there's another water term for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got streams and springs and now oh, well.
2: <laughs> this is really interesting. Maybe someone should write a book about it. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: I, I think that would be a real a great title. I can imagine a book called Streams of Living Water. Maybe maybe the subtitle could be Celebrating the Great Traditions of Christian Faith.
1: Sounds good to me. <laughs> Sounds good to me. But can I just um, say I think one of the things about the streams is this thing you said about why do we have to choose out of them? This is what's so interesting. If they're all Jesus, if they're all facets of Jesus, if they're all traditions of the historic, you know, church of how the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit has been at work in the church. And these are six Mm. wonderful ways of understanding the emphases or the different aspects of, you know, church. So, you know, why do we have to choose between the Jesus who's evangelical and the Jesus who has a social justice side? I mean, he was both. He was compassionate. He is compassionate. And he is a sharing himself with everybody. So why choose? Why do we why can't I have all that? And the same way they're in conversation with each other as well. The streams they challenge, they correct each other. So the evangelical stream might say now be careful everybody, let's not stray beyond the outer edges of scripture. You know, let's keep within the Boundary, the uh, circumference of scripture, we we want to hold it there, you know. Now, be careful, be careful, be careful. Keep that, you know, carefully. the, the contemplative, says back to the evangelical, uh, chill out a bit, you know. Just, just, <laughs> just, you know, um, chill out. Don't be quite so." Concerned, you know, we're going to be within in you know, scripture, but let's take a let's take a view of conversation with you know, streams, and this ability to help each other out. You know, holiness is about preserving purity and the core, but the incarnational mm. is about taking your faith to the world, to the office, to the school, to the farm. And that helps us because they balance each other out. How does that sound?
0: And in their purest and most righteous form, they're all found in the life of Jesus. Yeah. So, our task is always to be learning from these streams, but always with the goal of putting ourselves in a place where the Holy Spirit can work on us and make us more and more like Jesus, not more and more like a great Mm -hmm. evangelical or more and more like the greatest contemplative, but more and more like Christ, who always wants to do the will of God.
1: Well, I have something I want to ask you on behalf of how Joshua and this is about small groups. And he's asking, do you have any ideas about how existing classes or small groups can can help people become more focused on spiritual formation? Or any thoughts on how to change the culture of a church to be more focused on this? So um, you know, Joshua, is, <laughs> uh, I think, is saying... I'm interested in this whole forming of our spirits, our core, who we are on the inside. But how do we help that in a existing small group or whatever? Do we just say, this year we're going to be focused with this? Or are there other possible ways of handling it? Any ideas, you guys?
0: Isn't that a great question? I would say to Joshua first of all, congratulations. You're already in a place where there are small groups, so that's great. (laughs) That's a step in the right direction. And And the thing that I would hasten to remind him is that spiritual formation is happening. People's spirits are being formed. So what I think he's asking is, how can we make that the intentional focus of these groups? And that's a That's a really, really good question. I mean, sometimes the intentional focus of groups, for instance, might be just Bible study. And I've been part of those groups before where it was all about Bible study and not really much about whether our hearts were turned toward Christ. We were just wanting to understand the Bible just as a text. That's not what we're talking about. Other groups can form just to be support groups some groups are gripe groups some groups are helping groups i mean there are all kinds of ways that groups can be formed but no matter what we're doing some spiritual formation is happening how can we now help these groups be more intentional about pursuing spiritual transformation into Christ-likeness? and i think we can help don't you
2: Hey, someone should maybe write a book about (laughs) how the streams work in a small group, huh? (laughs) And the title of that book is called "Oh, It's a Spiritual Formation Workbook."
0: I hope people get that we are laughing about this because we we've now mentioned two different books that have already been written and out there for a while. So, yes, (laughs) a spiritual formation workbook was written long ago, and it was the whole purpose of it was to help small groups think particularly about these, these streams. So that's one way. One way of helping groups is by providing a resource like a spiritual formation workbook. And honestly, you can just take that as a resource and go through it and do what it says. I mean, that is probably the shortest answer we could give. But I think there are other ways too. For instance, another place to start I would say, would be your book, Nate. The, really? Yeah, absolutely. Because so many small groups now find that they are able to more easily engage with narrative. So your book is it's wonderful because you trace your journey from... What is it? What are your words your from frustration to joy with the spiritual (laughs) disciplines? So you go through the spiritual disciplines, but you talk about your actual journey with each one of those disciplines. And I think a group could take your book, go through it chapter by chapter, read about your experience, and then share their experiences with each of those disciplines. I mean, couldn't that be a great? great way to get a small group thinking about spiritual formation? Sure. Why not? <laughs> I,
2: I think it's important to not underestimate the power of small groups. Right. And I think it's also worth acknowledging that you don't have to hang around the church too long to have some pretty bad experiences with mm-hmm. small groups. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my piece with it is don't let that stop you because mm-hmm. they can be extremely powerful. I like small groups and and this is part of the spiritual formation workbook but but also a little what you're saying about working with my book. where I think it becomes really powerful is when people are working on practices mm-hmm. uh different disciplines and and then they have a chance to come together, share what they're working on, listen to each other mm-hmm. and and then make some commitments to what they're gonna do, you know. In the next month uh next week and that can be done with just one other person i mean it doesn't need to be you know anything particularly formal you just Mm -hmm. need people who are really committed and wanting to grow spiritually Mm -hmm. the other thing i'd say about small groups is in general i don't think they get really good until you clock some some years there's a richness that develops when when there's an intimacy and a trust that's built and that of course takes time
0: that's a great point because I think a, a lot of times within churches, especially, the idea is okay. We will put you in this small group for nine months. Now go at it, and then next year we'll change you to a different group, mm-hmm. and expect you to start all over. So I think I think those are wise words, Nate mm-hmm. and James. I know you've you've met with the same little group of friends for like oh gosh yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was in a spiritual formation group for nine years, I think. The same people just pitching up, you know, mm-hmm. doing the stuff, going through that book, a spiritual mm-hmm. formation workbook, exploring, you know, streams, taking on a, a new practice to go into and explore and um you know that's been a hugely helpful for me i think i'd say the entry requirement for these for entering a spiritual formation group isn't expertise it's not academic understanding Mm -hmm. it's not Being to college Mm -hmm. or to Bible college, it's one thing, hunger, hunger for Mm -hmm. Jesus. You know, some people misunderstand the words at the end of Jesus is what we call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, and the wise person is the one who hears my words and writes a PhD on them. That's what. That's what. <laughs> that's <laughs> what is. That's, <laughs> that's what's right. A, that's right. Or has been to Bible class or memorizes scripture. All of which can be very helpful. But he doesn't. He says the wise person is the one mm-hmm. who hears my words and obeys them. And what we're trying mm-hmm. to do is, you're trying to press in closer to Jesus and to hear His words and to put them into practice. And that's why a group, Mm -hmm. a small group of accountability of, you know, who are helping each other, we have a little um, way we handle this. We say, I may not get this completely right, but encouragement always, challenge once Mm -hmm. in a long while, correction when only absolutely essential, and condemnation Never. I think that's such a good Mm -hmm. little way of operating. Encouragement always, challenge once in a long while, correction only when absolutely essential, and condemnation never. We're trying to woo people, encourage each other, and I found that a helpful thing. I just add one more point, which is the practices we often talk in a small group, in a spiritual formation group, about practice you know try this try that you know do this and there's loads of ways you can get into it just don't make it a law that's all this isn't law these are means Mm -hmm. of grace you know to spend a little while in prayer to be silent to read a book to do an act of compassion, you know, speak of Jesus. Lots of different things we can explore. Just don't make it law. Don't make it law.
0: Mm-hmm. I would add to that to say regarding spiritual formation and, and bringing that emphasis to a church. I really think that having a vision that change is possible. Mm-hmm. And it may be that if you are the leader of a church, that you just have to <laughs> reiterate that, that you, you have to repeat that over and over to your folks, because I think a lot of people now have come to believe that no real change is po- ever possible. What we've learned is that change is possible. That doesn't mean change is easy, but change is possible because this is all grace, right this is all the work of god this is this is all stuff that happens deep in people's hearts where where no one can reach except for the spirit of god but change is possible because we have these means of grace we have these tools really that that god has given us and and god is living and active Jesus is teaching. He's with us. He's promised that he'll be with us always, and he he has never never let up on that promise. Jesus is still with us. The kingdom of God is available because of Jesus, and change is possible. And it may take years of prayer of just asking God to open people's eyes to understand that change is possible before they can start moving in that direction. But I would say hanging on to that That little, one little bit that change is possible. Habits can be changed. Habits can be undertaken. God is just as able today to work miracles in our hearts as He ever was and completely willing to work with us. So it's very exciting to me to think of, of someone out there thinking, okay, how can I get my church to think in these terms? Well, hallelujah. May I just offer a resounding God bless you, because boy, do we ever need churches that are focused on helping people become more like Jesus, right? Oh, it's exciting.
2: I got a question for us, and here it is. Are there any practices you would recommend for responding to loneliness and for making building friendships throughout all of life? It kind of ties in with small groups a little
1: it's interesting loneliness is the gift that nobody asks the for.
2: gift come on now
1: <laughs> do you see it as a gift Jake? no i don't i think silence and solitude i see is a gift and i think mm-hmm. one of the invitations is to see whether we can move our loneliness which may not be seen as a gift, into a gift as silence and solitude. I'm so interested in this. You know, people, the language Mm -hmm. people have, you know, people might say, I'm a single person, but I'm not lonely. Or they might say, I'm with somebody else, but I am lonely. You know, it's very interesting Mm -hmm. how this works. I'm with lots of people all the time, but I'm lonely. Or mm-hmm. I don't see people much and I feel I have enough. You know, it's a fascinating how this comes at us, really.
0: I was just reflecting on the point you were making about the difference between solitude that someone undertakes through his or her own agency and isolation that's imposed from without. But those are two different things. I think I was hearing you right, that, that solitude can be something that one enters into very purposefully, and that's not the same as being lonely.
2: I think it's one of the byproducts of solitude. Not always, but it often does lead to a sense of loneliness. I think we could say loneliness is just part and parcel of being human and one of the most common experiences and quite chronic in our day. Mm-hmm. The, 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 most people feel it to some extent and, and often in quite crushing ways. I'm struck with just pausing and looking at this time in human history, Mm -hmm. that most likely there's never been a time in human history where organized society, where you had so many people feeling lonely. Some of that, I think, has to do with just consumption of goods. And, you know, there was a day when I I needed you to help fix my shoes or, mm-hmm. you know, get my food, uh, whereas we can function quite independent uh, uh, today. I, I heard someone referencing the other day that one of the problems related to loneliness is the, the breakdown of the nuclear family. And I mentioned that to my wife, who's Native American and quite involved in Native culture. And she said, no, no, actually that, that's not it. It's the breakdown of the village or the community. Mm -hmm. And you see that in collective, collective cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, And and just in her reference to, you know, Native American folk, where when you say my aunt or my brother, sister, it may or may not be a real, you know, blood Mm -hmm. uh, uh, aunt and people's willingness to care for each other beyond, you know, family Mm -hmm. names. I think is quite quite significant in terms of the question practices what do you guys think are there practices to help build lifelong friendship
1: well i want to hear from you tell us what you think i'm lonely james
2: i have no practice at (laughs) now i think of it as being intentional and and that requires some effort that at least as an adult you know unless you're have uh, you know, you're engaged in some sort of civic activity or, you know, with work in, in such a way where there's, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you go to school and it's quite easy to 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 make friends. But most adults struggle with that. And I think very few adults actually have close friendships. At least statistically, that's what research has shown. For me, it's just that being intentional and taking the time and choosing. Here's a person I would really like to invest in and and spend some time with. And then sticking with it, knowing knowing that long term friendships are always messy, conflict occurs, mm-hmm. and our mm-hmm. ability capacity to you know address that and and be with that. Yeah, I don't know um, from a sort of spiritual practice that ties into that. Oh, I think so. Yeah,
0: yeah, because when I think about an antidote for loneliness, if I, if I can use that. Sure. I would say the opposite of loneliness is connection and, mm-hmm. and community. And the only way to have real connection is to be vulnerable. Real love for another person, real connection requires a level of vulnerability. Because if you're, you know, if you're gonna develop a really deep bond, that means you're gonna open yourself up to the possibility that you could be hurt, right? There's a vulner- vulnerability necessary, and that leads me to the spiritual practice that we often think of as sort of a solo practice, but it's not, <laughs> and that's confession. Hmm. Confession, you know, we, we tend to sort of relegate confession just to the idea of stating our sins Right. And that obviously that that requires real vulnerability, but confession really is just stating the truth. We state the truth in agreement with God. We agree with God about what is true. So we might make a confession of our faith. Like when you were baptized, you had to confess your faith. Or we might recite a creed or something. That's a confession. But we do also confess our wrongdoings to god and to one another and that's an act of vulnerability but boy when you share your stuff with someone else and you you let them hear the ways that you failed or what you you, you say what you believe about yourself and let them speak into that that forms that can form a real bond and that kind of confession that that sharing of truth between two friends or three friends um i think that is a real tool for moving from loneliness to community now it is vulnerable because you could be moving from loneliness to betrayal you know if you're if you're trying to build community with someone who is Um, Not ready for community. That could be a dangerous place. So it's not just you pick someone off the street and willy nilly start (laughs) doing vulnerable things together. But that is a practice. That's something you can do. You know, share your stuff. I'll go first. I'll tell you what I'm struggling with, or I'll admit my fear, or I will tell you if there's something that's really bugging me or something that's bringing me joy. Those are all practices, I would say. I don't know if that's specific enough. Do yeah. you think?
1: No, I think it is it's helpful. I mean confession obviously appropriately right. You know we <laughs> handle it in the right way and we do all the care of it. But it is a vulnerable practice. I've been in a little group for many years, three of us, and a little triplet where we get together and we talk and laugh and share our stories and so on. And that's been such a rich experience for me and has you know helped me in this area. I get most lonely on a flight when I'm away, mm-hmm. you know, home, traveling. That can be hard. I find that hard. You know, sometimes I do. The three things that, that I think are important in any of these struggles, if we want to call this a struggle, maybe we don't, but, but if we do, one is change, but we'll see if you can do one of these. Change your activity, actually, you know, physically do something, Go outside, go for a walk, you know m- move around your house or f- wherever. Try to move yourself physically, do some exercises, wash your face, make some, you know, coffee, change your clothes or whatever. Something physical can, you know, help us. And that can help us not only with this, but other issues as well. Secondly, change our place. So move, (laughs) go to a coffee shop for a while, then come home, go somewhere else, you know, whatever. So we change our activity, our physical activity, we change our place. And then if we can, we change how we think how we allow ourselves and this i think is um, helpful we can get ourselves caught up on things we can easily be people who fantasize about a life beyond or another place an escapist in some ways, and sometimes I think it's helpful bring ourselves back from that, or we start mm-hmm. uh, fixating on people or a broken relationship, and we think that people you know have to bring ourselves back. For example, we sometimes get angry and have to and think, let's just. Push through this l- loneliness. I'm going to fix this, and maybe the Lord is calling us back to say, "No, I'm the one you're really after. I'm the intimacy mm-hmm. that you're really after." Or the time when we drill into it and we just get anxious and anxious and anxious and anxious. I, I think there are four kind of areas there where we can go to that we might need to pull ourselves out of. Fantasizing about the future, getting over concerned about people and you know hurting people and relationships, getting very concerned about I'm gonna push through, I'm gonna make this happen, I'm gonna fix it, and analyzing, analyze, 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 and worrying the whole thing time. Those are places we can go and we're hiding from ourselves perhaps in that or hiding from God within that. And the invitation is to come back to him because he is the answer. And I don't say this in a superficial way. You know, it's just Jesus. All you need is Jesus. And in a superficial way, that's not accurate. And Jesus comes to us in people. (laughs) He comes to us through Mm -hmm. others However, at a deeper level, the, the, what I'm really searching for is you know, him and finding that intimacy. It's not easy. It's a challenge. I don't find this easy either, but I've discovered that what I'm really after at the depth of my being is with him. Give us your comments. Argue with me, right. please.
0: Yeah, right back to that incarnational stream we were just talking about, right? We are looking for an embodied faith. The faith is in Jesus, and Jesus is with us, and then we learn to be together. I'm, I'm just convinced that our lives could be summed up by the statement that, that God is making us safe for one another. He 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 wants us to learn to be more and more like him, and he is so very safe for for all of us. He holds us with complete knowledge, everything about us, but always with love. And I think that's how he wants us to to learn to be together. We know one another. We get to know one another more, but that's never, at least in the goal, that's not not ever taken out of the. The context of love. One more practice I'll throw in, Nate. As I've thought about it more, I think this is a practice. There are so many lonely people, and r- right now it actually has has reached epidemic proportions. Did you know, James, that in the UK that Theresa May appointed a minister of loneliness?
1: Yes. A few yes. years ago,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me. It's a it's a problem. So. Every one of us listening today might be thinking about how they themselves are so lonely. But I think a real practice that we should not overlook is that of hospitality. To the extent that we can open our door to whatever it is, the door to our room or the door to our car or the door to our house or whatever we have, where we can allow another person to come Sit with us, and then maybe explore some of these questions, share some of the stuff, learn to be vulnerable together. But we're going to have to have a place to do that. So practicing hospitality. Um, this is a real reminder for me that when I'm feeling lonely, I'm not the only one. <sighs> Someone else out there is also feeling very lonely. And if I, a lonely person, reach out to another lonely person, then together, the two of us don't have to be lonely. We can be together in community, which is the opposite of loneliness. So it's a work. This is one of those places where we, we see there, there is stuff for us to do. And I think it all comes back to what you said, Nate. What it requires is intentionality. Send the text. Make the call got to do it on purpose
2: i think i want to spin things just a little bit i think of loneliness a little like boredom this isn't something to be afraid of Mm -hmm. there's so much to learn in that Mm -hmm. and i mean you see this in the life of jesus Mm -hmm. garden of gethsemane Mm -hmm. friends stay awake (laughs) come on now right so Mm -hmm. there's a lot to learn with that and and you know Many of us have an addiction to being around people and need that kind of constant connection that can be really quite healthy or or
1: unhealthy.
0: No, that's a really good thought, Nate. Not to be afraid of it, but to see what can be learned
1: there. Yeah, this is how we handle it. I mean, In my publishing career, I published a guy called Terry Waite, and Terry mm-hmm. Waite was um, a hostage in Beirut in 1987. Mm-hmm. He was in captivity for 1,763 days. The first four years of his captivity, he was in total solitary confinement. And as I worked with him, I would ask him, you know, how did you handle it? How did you? Ha-? I mean, you were you were in solitary confinement for for 4 years people didn't even know whether he was you know here anymore it was just awful mm-hmm. when they transported him from hiding place to hiding place this guy they put him in a refrigerator an unplugged refrigerator and he said to me once he said yes and James when they closed the door of the re- refrigerator let me tell you that little pilot light does go out. And I found that so helpful. So I would ask him, Well, how did you handle it? He says, Well, you have to convert it. And I thought, what an interesting way to use the word conversion, because because we often use the word conversion as a one-off. Are coming to Jesus, and of course that is accurate, but little conversions or big conversions are happening, you know, and there's invitations to convert it. So, I think that's been my own journey with this issue, has been how can I convert this and some of the ideas we've expressed. I'm very struck by Henry Nouwen in his book, The Way of the, um, the Heart. He talks about solitude, and his fear of that as well. So, loneliness and solitude. He says, I do everything I can to not be there. I'll do anything not to face up to me. Whereas loneliness and solitude can be, if we can convert it into opportunities to face up to who I am. The most you know, scary place a lot of people are is to be alone with themselves. Mm-hmm very hard very hard Mm.
0: well i have a feeling we may come back to this this subject loneliness is gonna gonna be with us in a big way for a long time i think so sure i'm glad to have some friends
1: yeah me Mm -hmm. too
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of Friends in Formation. We are dependent upon your questions and are so grateful for all of them. If we use one of your questions on air, we'll be happy to send you a really sharp Friends Information coffee mug. You can send us a question to friends at renovare.org. That's friends at R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E dot org also encourage you to visit our website where you can find a collection of helpful resources and the main Renovare podcast. That site's renovare.org. R-E-N-O-V-A-R-E.org.